everybody. Welcome back to Drive Into the Basket, a member of the Basketball Podcast Network. Hi, I'm Mike. I'm here with Dante and Tommy, and this is going to be part two of our draft previews. Uh, first, Tommy and Dante, how are you guys doing today? Well, I, I woke up very excited because I, I heard that we get to fight today. It's going to be a war of words, I'm sure. Yes. Uh, yep. I'm here for it. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, today we are going to talk about USC's Evan Mobley, uh, more or less in, uh, I think, anybody's estimation, uh, a top three pick at the least. Uh, I think a lot of people would say a top two pick. So uh, last week we did Jalen Suggs. If you guys are interested in that, uh, just go to uh, wherever you listen to our podcast, Apple, Spotify, Google. Uh, you can check up, uh, check on that episode. So we're going to do the same thing today that we did with Jalen Suggs. We're really going to take a very deep dive uh, into everything Evan Mobley. Uh, but first, a quick word from our sponsor. All right, guys. So today we're going to be telling you about DraftKings Sportsbook. It's my favorite sportsbook. My friends and family love it. It's America's top rated one as well. There's tons to do, tons to bet on. They got a great new promotion going on right now. Basically, you're going to pick any team still in the NBA playoffs. And if they win that game you're going to turn $1 into $100 in site credits. And it's not just basketball. They offer promotions on baseball, hockey, so much more all week long. It's safe, secure, reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. So download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 in free credits. Bet on the basketball team of your choice to win their next game. And if they do, you'll claim $100 in free credits. That's promo code TBPN for a limited time, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 years or older in New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Wager paid out in site credits. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. And with that being said, let's get back to the episode. So... Evan Mobley, quick profile on this guy, uh, is a seven-foot center, uh, or big man, rather, mostly played center, uh, out of uh, University of Southern California, one and done, of course, like uh, everybody else who's projected to go top uh, top four in this year's draft. Uh, seven-foot, uh, four wingspan, very long, uh, pretty darned athletic guy, long, springy, good leaper, not the most explosive though uh, really asking for that from a, from a guy of Mobley's physical profile, you know, that'd be a lot really, <laughs> but yeah, he's, he's, he's pretty average as far as, uh, as explosiveness is concerned, is concerned, excuse me, uh, runs the floor. Well, uh, his, uh, his size, his length and his bounce make him, uh, you know, a, a big putback threats, uh, transition threats. And uh, yeah, it's it's really hard to to sum this guy up in a small profile because he's really uh, he's much more versatile than than you would see from the average big. I mean, offensively speaking, uh, aside from uh, from post scoring, at which you know he may may or may not turn to be turn out to be good at that at the NBA level, uh, he can do pretty much anything or projects to be able to do pretty much anything. It's a guy who can put the ball on the floor. Uh, he's he's actually a, a pretty good passer for the position can pass out of the pick and roll, can pass out of the post. Uh, he's got uh, a pretty good in-between game between floaters uh, and and a, a nascent pull-up jump shots. Uh, he, he shot reasonably well from three in college. He projects as a guy who can who can fade out to the perimeter. And, and uh, he uh, really is almost kind of like a... It, he can handle the ball. He's, he's got a ways to go with that. But uh, if he really gets there, you've almost kind of got a wing in in, in a body of <laughs> seven feet tall. I mean, a guy who can really move. Uh, defensively speaking, good instincts. Uh, he uh, he was really an excellent rim protector at the college level. Had more blocks than fouls, uh, which is actually a feat that Ben Wallace accomplished at the NBA level. Fun fact there. Uh, good defensive instincts. Good mover. And... Uh, yeah, really, uh, his downsides that are most looked at are uh, are more physical and mental in nature. Physically, he's he's very very thin, not much in the way of strength, uh, and and mentally, we'll we'll get to those when we when we talk about shortcomings. So, uh, really, uh, and anything other you guys have to add as far as profile goes? 
Um, I think we should probably save it for the what do you like, what don't you like, because I have quite a bit to say about Mobley. I'm sure I'm sure Tommy does too. So we could jump yeah. right into it if you want. Yeah, it's Absolutely. like I said, it's, it's, he's, he's a guy with a very all around game. Uh, and, and there's just a lot to say is as much, I found it much more difficult to just put him into a brief profile than I, than I did with Jalen Suggs, uh, because Mobley's, uh, you know, he's a very interesting prospect. Well, I could try to briefly profile him by saying okay. that he's bigger than everybody and he's better than everybody. <laughs> that's, that's, that would be that's quite spark note. But yeah, why don't we just launch right into it? Uh, same as we asked last time. Uh, you know, what do you guys, what do you guys think is most special about Mobley, or what do you like most about him? Uh, and, and Dante, I, I don't know what gave me this impression, but I, I think that you have a lot to say on this topic. Yeah, Correct me the, if I'm uh, wrong. Yeah, the yeah. bigger and the bigger and better comment is that what did it for you? I don't know. I mean, I think I, it was a whole collection of factors. To be honest, I mean, I, mean, I, I think it's. I, I'll be honest. Probably what stands out the most when I'm kind of studying Evan Mobley and I'm kind of looking at him, not only just as a player but also in the context of as a draft prospect. Um, I think every year there's a prospect punching bag. Every year there's someone who's consensus top of their class or very close to the top of their class. Um, for the entirety of the year, maybe multiple years leading up to the draft. And people get fatigued of them, number one. And then number two, they just find kind of some arbitrary reason to bash them. So last year, the punching bag prospect was LaMelo Ball. Um, I think that was due in large part to the fact that casual fans were, I say casual, I'm doing air quotes, but like casual fans were very enamored with uh, LaMelo Ball. And they thought he was going to be, you know, a great player. And, And I think more hardcore basketball fans, more hardcore draft junkies sort of, they kind of wanted to show how smart they were and say, well, here are all the reasons why LaMelo is not good. And well, lo and behold, he's excellent. He's amazing. Um, and I feel Mobley suffers uh, a lot of the same fate from from draft analysts and people who enjoy the draft. I think that his uh, reason for being a punching bag is because, number one, there's sort of been a movement um, against bigs, against centers. Um, and the, I, I see that Tommy, <laughs> Tommy wants to jump in here already. Okay. This is great. But basically, yeah, there's been a movement, uh, against bigs, right. And so it's becoming more of like a smaller league, more teams are playing small ball. And so people don't want to take a big at the top of the draft. Um, and number two, I think Wiseman, I don't want to say his failure because who knows what he can be as a player, but Wiseman didn't exactly come in and light it up being as high of a pick as he was. And so there's probably a lot of hesitancy, um, with Mobley. And I understand it. I understand how recent trends play into this, but at the end of the day, there's so much to love. Um, I'm going to let Tommy go into it first. I, I know he really wants to sink his teeth into it. So I'll let Tommy make his case, but I wanted to put that out there. I wanted to put out the idea of a punching bag prospect because I think it bears considering. So Tommy, what's the, uh, why am I wrong? <laughs> <laughs> that, that's fair I think with Mobley it's not so much that he's like the punching bag prospect I think when you look at not just here like anywhere when you get to Mobley you'll see a lot of if he can put this together if he can do these things uh, the range of outcomes with Evan Mobley is just so vast because there are a lot of things that he just kind of does well or he showed flashes of but there's not really one specific thing that he does like super well right now other than maybe blocks and I think even at the next level, that could take a hit just due to his size. I, I think we mentioned his measurements. You know, he's got he's seven feet, seven, four wingspan, but he's only like 220 pounds. And he's a very skinny guy. Uh, and because of that, there are a lot of questions about how things will translate. You brought up James Wiseman. Uh, actually, I'll get into that stuff later. But I think as long as you're going to bring up LaMelo Ball, there were questions about LaMelo Ball's shooting. Uh, and that was like kind of the main thing because he could do some things really well, but there were just a lot of question marks with his defense, uh, his you know cont- contribution to winning basketball, but still namely the shooting. And one of the reasons that he's been you know really good this year is not just the feel, but he did up his three point percentage by is either six percent or like closer to ten percent. I, I can't remember if I'm just mixing up the numbers, but uh, as far as you know what I like. There is a very high range, like a very, very high ceiling on Evan Mobley. But I think the skepticism comes when you think about, you know, how many things have to come together for that to all pan out. Uh, I would, I'd take a, a slightly different tack and disagreeing, Dante, with what you said. I don't think he's a punching bag prospect at all. I, I think you did touch on the fact that bigs are, are less valuable uh, to, or 
basically have further to go to become more effective as effective as, as people, as players out of the positions. And that's just the nature of the NBA today that uh, just that the position is inherently less valuable. And, and uh, it's the one position at which, you know, if, if you feel good players at every other position, you can just punt on center and say, okay, we'll just toss a guy out there who can defend the rim and grab rebounds and, you know, and score in the paint. Uh, I think uh, just the, the term that's consistently brought up is just that the replacement value at center is very low. I, I, um, I hope I'm not stealing anybody's uh, anybody's nomenclature there. If I am, it was probably Zach Lowe, if I remember correctly, but I think that's just, <laughs> it's just a basic basketball, uh, basketball way of saying it. So, and, and also just the fact that it's, it's a lot harder to, to, to really have that major impact from, from the center position. Yeah, you know, why don't why don't we just uh, why don't we get into the what uh, what you like most about Evan Mobley? Well, there's a lot to like, right? And I and I understand where both of you are coming from. It it makes perfect sense. And when I say prospect punching bag, I don't mean it in the sense that oh, you know, here's a guy who's perfect, and then people just dislike him for you know X reason that's not valid. Uh, Lamelo had flaws in his game. Mobley has, in my opinion, less flaws in his game than Lamelo did, but. I mean it more so in the sense that out of all the consensus top prospects, this is the one that people didn't pick the most, and I'm not sure that it's entirely warranted. So that ties into what I like about Mobley, because what I like is the number of things that I like are about as vast as the number of things that Mobley excels in. So I think from the post, first of all, his his little jumping hook is, I, I would stop short of saying it's unstoppable, but I mean, the guy is so tall. He's so long. He's got such nice touch around the rim. Like, Who's stopping that realistically? I mean, Rudy Gobert, maybe, but if he can really get a little higher on his jumps, if he's got a little more touch on his finish, that's a go-to scoring move. Like I feel like you could inbound the ball to Mobley um, or, you know, get gain an entry pass and then he could just turn around, do the hook and 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 it's in. It's a go-to scoring move, number one. So he's got that in his package. He can use that from day one. Number two, Mike touched on it in his preview, but the the versatility that this guy shows is is really unlike anything you typically see out of these top bigs coming into the draft. I mean, Mobley can handle the ball, number one. If you turn on some Evan Mobley tape and you watch him run the floor with the ball, it doesn't even look real. Um, he reminds me a little of, not in play style, but when Kevin Durant handles the ball, you almost think like, how is a guy that big and lanky and tall handling the ball like he's a guard? And Mobley maybe doesn't handle the ball like he's a guard, but he handles it exceptionally for someone his size um his playmaking is excellent he doesn't just make good passes he makes great passes and he makes them quickly you know he reads the floor he has really good vision especially for someone who's 19 years old and he's very adept at you know getting the ball to the open man creating plays and that's as we've seen with Jokic and to a lesser extent Embiid being able to do more than just have a post-up game when you've got your back to the basket it's invaluable it opens up a lot of doors for your offense um, he's shown great potential as a shooter as well. Obviously, the volume has been limited, but you could say the same thing for Isaiah Stewart. You know, I think we would all consider Isaiah Stewart someone who it's within the conceivable realm of possibility that he becomes a good shooter. And Mobley is just as nice of a textbook looking shot as Stewart does. You know, you'll notice that his guiding hand um, sort of flays out and his fingertips go up and point towards the sky. And that's I'm not sure how much basketball any of the listeners have played or how much basketball you two have played, but that's kind of your textbook. Like you've been working with a shooting coach. That's how you do it. That's like, you've been watching Clay Thompson, right? So this is a guy who's dedicated to a shot has shown an aptitude for hitting that shot, whether it's from three or whether it's from pull up or whether it's like a little pick and pop, he can hit it. And I have every confidence that he will. It was, it's a combination of things. It, what I like most is this combination, this, these vast things that he can do. And those are all offensive things. You know, his defensive potential is through the roof. Like this guy's anticipation, um, his vertical ability, not just because he's an explosive jumper, which he's not the most elite jumper I've ever seen, but his length is such that he can get up and just block shots you know, and he's rarely out of position. His defensive anticipation is so good. His footwork is so good. And and just, I could go on and on and on and on, but that's the point. So if you ask what I like most about Evan Mobley, it's the fact that I could go on and on about all these things that I like about Evan Mobley because he does so much well. Um, so I'll rest my case there. Those are my, those are my opening remarks, definitely. And, and I think it's something worth considering that, well, Tommy, you said that, well, a lot needs to go right. I would come at it more from the perspective of 
look at how much is right, look at how much can go right, and therefore look at the potential. And the Pistons desperately need someone with this potential. Yeah, potential is good. Uh, I, my question for you guys was gonna, later was going to be like, how has you know the the current group of guys or uh, Weaver affected the way that you evaluate prospects? Because certainly the last year, I've kind of adopted a new uh, appreciation, let's say, for the guys who kind of come in it with like a certain level of I don't know, work ethic or perceived work ethic and fearlessness because, well, we'll get into that later, I'm sure. As far as what I like, uh, a lot of what you said, 100% agree with you. I was really impressed by his footwork on the perimeter. Uh, One of the things you mentioned was his versatility. I think especially defensively, he's excellent. He has great presence around the rim. I think if you want, in a vacuum, if you want Mobley on your team, uh, the best place to keep him would be kind of in the painted area. He's got so much length and he moves towards anybody driving really well so he's able to get out and show show big and kind of alter a shot or alter the way that the uh the attacker is going to put up a shot he can either force a, like a really difficult contested jumper or that person's going to abort and try to either pull it back or kick out regardless the way that he moves in part due to the fact that i think he's so skinny uh he gets to his spots really, really well, and his hips are very fluid. So when he gets out to the perimeter, if you know, if he has a spacing big that he's guarding, he ha- he is capable of you know pulling all the way out to the perimeter and shifting his feet and his hips. And in that sense, I think his defensive versatility is fantastic. Uh, you don't see too many bigs, especially seven footers, uh, who are able to contest that well, uh, both in the paint and at the perimeter. And then you mentioned his passing. I do think his passing out of the post especially is very good. It's not Jokic level. He doesn't have like insane vision, but for a seven footer, uh, it is very good. He definitely is able to see over the defense and make these really quick passes uh, when he sees a man open. And I think that kind of goes away a little bit when you pull him out of the paint or out of the mid range. But when he's in there, uh, it's really, really excellent. All right. Uh, you guys have said a lot that I would have said uh, already, uh, and some of it I said in any just in the player profile. But uh, I'll, I'll echo what I what I think uh, what I think Dante uh, I believe already said just is that there's so much that he can do uh, on on defense. He can he he based on uh, based on basically what he was able to do at USC at least he can play in any sort of defensive system and in in any role. I mean at, at least as center. He can play drop coverage. He can hedge. He can switch. He's got good instincts. He's, he's especially on where to be in terms of blocks, uh, just where to be in general. He's a very good pick and roll defender. Uh, does not foul very much at all. I mean, and that's that, that's rare to see coming out of the NCAA or just to see anybody who's that defensively well-rounded and also has the body uh, to match, really. Very long wingspan. Uh, he's, he's got good lateral movement. He moves his feet very well in general. And, and, and yeah, on offense, I mean, he's a guy who projects to be able to do a great deal. And it, like it is, you mentioned his ability as a passer, uh, play that into it's, it's not just, for example, that he can, uh, that he can pass off the drive or, uh, or out of the post. Those are both very helpful. And, and they're, they're reflective of his, just his ability to, to read and react rather than just decide. You know, to most most centers, you put them in the post. They're not really looking to to pass, or don't really necessarily. I don't know if you say a lot of them just don't have the wherewithal to do it. They don't have the skill set. But uh, you look at Mobley as a pick and roll player, for example, and uh, he was he was absolutely excellent uh, on the pick and roll in the NCAA. But uh, I mean, just 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 basically as an indication of how versatile he is. So uh, you look at him in the pick and roll. All right, so you can just do a basic pick and roll. Uh, he rolls the baskets. He's, uh, you know, he's, he's a good jumper off of two feet. He's really tall and he's super long and he's going to get there pretty quickly. You're going to have trouble guarding him as a lob threat. All right. If he's not a lob threat, then uh, you get him, uh, you get him the ball off, uh, just off the roll. And what can he do with it? He can either take a pull up jump shot uh, or make a floater. He's both pretty good at these. He's, he's decent at both of those. He's, he seems to have good potential. Uh, he's a good passer off the roll. So he can pass it off to, uh, somebody in the corner, for example, uh, or just off the roll, he can just uh, pop immediately to the three-point line and shoot from there. I mean, that's that's it's a really makes him a really tough cover. His passing makes him a tough cover because you can't just double team him, uh, or, or uh, and, and and expect that he's not going to be able to get the ball to somebody. 
and uh, yeah, he's he's got his his game off the drive. Uh, he can conceivably attack closeouts. I mean, he, he he does kind of contact averse. That's one of the downsides. I'm sure we'll talk about, but uh, he can just do a lot. I'll just repeat what I said in in his profile. He's almost kind of like a wing in in a in a big's body. So it's just impressive all the things that he can do. Of course, there's you know there there some of this we're talking on potential. You know, if he didn't come in and do this and score like 40 points a game in the uh, in the NCAA, obviously that didn't happen. Uh, so yeah, that's that's what impresses me most is just how many things it seems he can t- be able to do, and and just how much of a uh, the coverage nightmare he could become if he if he achieves what appears to be his full potential. Yeah, I'm glad you you mentioned it. The coordination that he displays is is really excellent. Uh, I think in part due to how light he is, I bet it's a lot easier to move a body like that if you're lighter. Um, so I guess if there's nothing else to add, maybe that does kind of transition us into the weaknesses. I don't know if you guys had anything else to talk about in terms of his strengths. I think we've kind of rounded out his game pretty well. Well, I, I'm curious to hear what you guys think is as far as the, uh, well, we can talk about, uh, I suppose, talk about what role he could play in the Pistons later on. So yeah, we can, we can transition onto our shortcomings. Um, well, if we want to talk about shortcomings, another thing that I liked about him is that I felt all of the things that are apparent that are wrong with Mobley are easily fixable. Um, some of the things I've seen include like, well, he has to improve his consistency as a shooter. He has to prove that he can actually do it. And it's like, okay, we don't even know if that's a weakness because if he can be a good shooter, that's not a weakness. We don't know. Um, I think he's shown a good aptitude for shooting, which means that it's probably, and he's good uh free throw shooter as well. So I feel it's more yeah, than not so much. He has a 69 and a half percent free throw shooter. Uh, it's better than 50%, it's about 50% <laughs> but uh, it's yeah. still, it's, it's still, it's still, it's considerably less than ideal, especially if you're looking at overall shooting acuity. I not like ideal, his touch. But not bad. Yeah. He's got a nice touch. I mean, that's, um, that's a pretty good indication of, as well. So it wouldn't surprise me at all if he's a solid shooter out of the gate. I think he can be. Um, and then I, the other one that people keep saying and that I keep hearing and that you guys have echoed as well, um, that his frame is small, that he's skinny, that he's not very strong. And it's like, really, the only thing I'd have to say to that is that, well, he he still dominated his competition in college. I mean, he was usually the best player on the court, even at that size, even at that weight. And it's like, you can really only play the people that are in front of you. So who was yeah. put in front of him? He performed. You know, not always. I wouldn't I say mean, that he, he dominated could, the competition. Yeah, I, would, I, I think he was most typically the best player on the court. Yeah, but when he when he was when he was up against stronger, just just large, strong, and competent opponents at center, he struggled. I mean, well, yeah, he struggles problems. when he goes against like me in the post. But as as far as yeah, exactly, no, I get what you guys are saying, but it, it's just that's that's sort of how I feel about it. I feel it's a valid weakness if that's something you want to criticize, but nothing stands out to me as. Well, this is like Jalen Suggs, for example. It was like, okay, well, a weakness is he's not an elite athlete and nothing he does is going to change that. There's nothing to me about Evan Mobley that says that X weakness is unchangeable and there's nothing that's ever going to fix it. So that's another reason I like him. Well, this kind of takes me to the like the main issue that I have with Evan Mobley, and that's he is so contact averse. It seems like he's playing a little bit scared. Uh, it's not that... <laughs> Okay, like when you watch him drive into the to, into the paint, he never makes it all the way to the hoop on his own. And for how well he moves and how much bigger he is in a lot of his college competition, it shouldn't be like nearly impossible for him. Like once he gets a foot or two in the paint, he gets stopped. It's like consistent. And you mentioned this this hook shot that he he goes to. He does it because once he gets into the paint, like he gets stopped pretty consistently. Like once his man recovers and kind of gets in front of him, you, you get the positioning. <clears throat> his recovery is, or his his next option is, well, it's either pass out of the paint or you hit that hook shot. And I don't think it's val- uh, viable offense in the in the NBA. I was looking for the stats on that earlier. We couldn't we couldn't find it, but by the eye test anyway, I don't think it's like excellent touch. You know, it's not it's not the Kareem skyhook. It's it's just it's something that he has to do because he can't go all the way to the rim on his own. And when you think about what the Pistons need this year, they need a guy who can, you know, generate not just for their teammates, which Mobley can do, admittedly, uh, but can create for himself. And when I see Mobley, you know, getting stopped by bigger wings at the college level, it makes me think about what what is he going to do when he gets to the NBA and everybody is like this bigger, stronger guy, or even like if he has to switch onto a four, is a four going to be able to stop him from getting to the rim? When I see that, 
I don't see the confidence that I see from a guy like Suggs or a guy like Stewart uh, or you know any of those guys. So I know you guys want to jump in, but I have I have more. To, I have a comparison that I want to make, but I'll let you go ahead. No, by all means, take it away. Okay, uh, Christian Wood loved his game when he played for the Pistons. One of the, my favorite things that I loved about Christian Wood uh, was yes, he could he could do a lot of the same things that uh, Mobley could do in terms of you know pulling guys. This is assuming that uh, Mobley gets a shot together, but if Mobley does and he's able to pull guys out of the paint like Christian Wood was able to do uh, once he was kind of picking things up on the Pistons, uh, Christian Wood loved to attack. And the thing that Christian Wood did was when he was attacking the basket, he was always the one who initiated contact. You know, he would put his shoulder into a guy, knock him off balance, and then they were just trying to keep up. You know, They're kind of off balance on the guy's hip, and you never see Mobley do that. Mobley doesn't have the power or the strength to do that to a guy. And that's a real problem to me because it's not that Mobley can't do it. Maybe he can. He just doesn't try to. He tries to keep space between the guy he's attacking or the, his defender because he doesn't want to play you know, the physical game. And if you expect this guy to be a center, you have to be, a, you have to be able to be physical because I don't see that from Mobley's game at all. So like, that's one of the key differences that I think is there is there because Christian Wood was physical. He was fearless. Mobley, it's not that I'm saying that he's never going to be that guy, but I, even if he were to put on like another 30 pounds, I don't think he's going to switch up his play style to the point where he's going to be the person who's initiating contact and attacking. That's the primary concern I have with Mobley. I don't see that fearlessness in him. And we talked last week about how much we love that about Jalen Suggs. I just don't see that from Mobley. I think Mobley relies too much on his his you know his extreme measurements and his ability to just do it to attack and shoot over his competition. I don't think he's going to have that advantage at the NBA level. I think uh, we're, we're talking about uh, sort of two issues in one at this point. Uh, one of those issues is uh, of course his physique, which, which we've mentioned is, is definitely is, is his very slight frame as a concern. Uh, the other is his mentality. So uh, why don't we kind of separate, uh, separate those out and um, you know, we can just talk for now about, about his physique, which is definitely, uh, definitely a concern, uh, and, and probably one that uh, you know whether or not it weighs into to his contact aversion or not. Uh, Mobley definitely is very thin, and and that's a problem. It wasn't as much of a problem at the at the NCAA level, but yeah, even there he he struggled with guys who were just significantly larger than he was, and, and there are going to be a lot more of those at uh, at the at the NBA level. Of course, you can say, you know, okay, he'll just go and, you know, and put on like 25 pounds and everything will be fine. But uh, there's one thing about Moby is that the guy is clearly very naturally slender. So who knows? I mean, obviously the guy's going to go in and put on some weight. You know, there's an NBA training regime. Is he ever going to be big enough that uh, his big enough that it's not, that it's not going to be an issue? Because if you look at him at this point, all right. So uh, at his size, uh, just you have a lot less versatility on both ends. Like current frame, uh, you're going to get bullied by by the larger centers of the league, even even some of the larger wings of the league. Like, I don't know how I feel about about Mobley trying to, uh, you know, take on I don't know even like the likes of Jason Jason Tatum in the post. <laughs> but uh, uh, so you're going to get bullied in the paint. You're going to get boxed out of rebounds. Uh, you might get bowled over in general in some cases. You're not going to be able to set proper screens. I mean, I'm getting kind of like, and granted, this is just how Mobley is right now, but. And this is like an extreme case. I'm not trying to make this comparison, but think back to like Thon Maker trying to set screens. <laughs> he barely even tried. Uh, oh boy! Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That was that was bad. But I'm, I'm basically just uh, 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 sure the, the guy can can increase in size. The question, of course, is you know it, 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 just in terms of just his body type. You know what's his comfortable weight? Uh, but yeah, he, he definitely needs to increase that strength because just at his at his size right now. No, you just you're looking at at a lot of downsides. The discussion about weight is an interesting one. Like I, I understand where both you guys are coming from, and and yeah, it's apparent on tape. Like his 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 weight is it shows. You know, he does look skinnier than the guys out there. For as big as he looks, you know, <laughs> vertically, he's he's pretty thin. Um, you know, just a little bulkier than Thon Maker, honestly. But it's 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 a valid concern for sure. I. I think that it's very telling that he still managed to get a draft stock of this pedigree, um, even at that weight. And he still managed to be a very productive college player at that weight. Um, but with NBA training and NBA, you know, diet regimen, 
I don't really see why he can't increase his weight. And, and I don't think that the, the increase would be so significant that it would significantly hinder the things that he can do on the court that makes him special. You know, he's not going to gain 15 pounds and then forget how to laterally move. Um, he's not going to gain 20 pounds and then not have as good of defensive positioning as he has. I think that those things and weight specifically when we're talking about his weaknesses are correctable. Um, and I don't think it's a deal breaker for him. I certainly don't think it's something that you should look at and say, okay, despite all of these crazy physical attributes that he has and the sky high potential, we definitely can't draft him, uh, you know, ahead of say Jalen Suggs because of his weight. To me, that doesn't make a lot of sense. Of course not. Uh, yeah, I, I do have uh, I do have some concerns, uh, like I said, as to if he can really go in and put on a you know a, a ton of extra strength. You know, we'll see, of course. Uh, but I mean, that it does kind of. I know we're going to talk about uh, talk about some uh, some some concerns about mentality, uh, but uh, just his his the talk about his physique does does parlay a bit into one of my major concerns about Mobley, and and that is his durability. And it's, it's not Mobley in particular, because it's not like he has any, uh, you know, he hasn't shown any, any particular propensity for injury toward injury at this stage, but guys of his body type, uh, a couple basically guys of his, of his, uh, of his body type and guys who play like he does. And there are not really many like that. I can't really think of any in the NBA right now, actually, but basically you have how tall he is, uh, just the slightness of his frame, just in general, uh, and the way he moves, uh, I like to say kind of like you have guys who move mainly from the core and, and guys who move mainly kind of from their extremities. Like a, 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 an example of the former would be Lamarcus Aldridge, uh, example of the latter. You can say Chris Dupps, Porzingis, you might call that a lazy comparison, but uh, it's uh, I think it's one that works. But yeah, guys who move from their extremities, these uh, like big guys in particular, guys who are just generally more prone to injury, but just in general, even if you're whatever it is, you talk about a guy who's as big as he is, uh, who moves as much as he does, uh, and and presumably, you know, in, in the NBA is going to be playing a more higher impact style. It's just, uh, I think the injury concerns are, uh, and, and I think particularly with Mobley, who's highly agile as well, just the injury concerns of playing that kind of game on, on that kind of body. Uh, it just makes me very concerned. I, I know it's completely speculative, though. I think there is, there is a certain a body of data there that we can look at for, uh, you know, for guys of his sort, for, for people with his sort of frame. Yeah. And you talk about, you know, guys who are that skinny and Dante, you kind of mentioned, well, just because he adds some weight doesn't mean he's not going to, he's going to forget how to move. I do think there is something to the idea that, you know, he moves as well as he does because he is so skinny. You know, it's hard to stop a guy who's heavier than Mobley, but it's also hard for that guy to get moving and to, you know, shift their own weight. So, you know, it, it takes a special type of player who's like super heavy, but also super agile. I don't know that, you know, if Mobley put on a lot of weight, uh, which I still think is unlikely just looking at his frame, his narrow shoulders, uh, even if that happened, I don't know uh, if he would still be as agile. And I think a lot of his advantages that he creates currently uh, do come from that. So that's a concern that I have personally. Uh, I would say it is kind of like a warning sign for me that the guy, uh, like your average NBA player who's going to come in, uh, you know, in, in the NCAA, whether or not they put a ton of, uh, a ton of emphasis on adding strength is going to have a strong lower body. I mean, this is just something that happens. Uh, Mobley somehow is pretty weak in the lower body. I mean that that's one of his issues. That's one of the things that lets him get uh, that 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 allowed the kind of the larger opponents he faced in the NCAA to to bully him a bit, or or for him to be so easily stopped on the way to the basket, and in which case he he resorted to that uh, that twirl and hook, Tommy, that you mentioned. So yeah, I, I know I'm repeating myself. I, I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that he's just gonna that he's automatically gonna be able to add that weight. Yeah, so I mean, does that take us to the mentality? Because I still yeah. think that that is absolutely yeah. that. That's a big think, thing. Yeah, I think that's that's still my primary issue. I do think it it does come from the fact that he's learned to play uh, with his frame. I I think with his high center of gravity, uh, his his relatively low weight for a seven footer or even a center, maybe in general, like maybe these smaller guys are probably a lot harder for him to move. So. It, it happened that way that he he learned to play around it by 
playing with finesse and playing with these hook shots because, again, you know he, you see this a lot. He takes it into the paint and his defender recovers a bit and kind of knocks him off his balance. You know, you play a physical game with him. I think you make Mobley uncomfortable, and that's when he kind of kills his dribble and picks it up. And from there, that's usually in the paint, and that's where he has to make the decision to either go for that that sweeping hook, which you know he he does well. I guess, but again, we don't know the percentages, but does he continue to shoot that well? Or does he, you know, make that a viable shot in the NBA when he's going to be playing against guys who are all the more physical and all the more strong, like strong. Uh, That's a concern that I have. So, you know, you talk about his mentality. I think it stems from the fact that he's, he's used to playing this, you know, less physical game. And if one of your, arguments for Mobley is that, you know, he's going to add size and he's going to change that. And he's going to be a guy who can attack like Christian Wood. I think that requires a pretty significant shift in play style uh, because I just, that's a, that's two completely different things. You know, there's a huge difference between a guy who gets bumped and kills his dribble and, you know, creates contact themselves and kind of takes control of the play. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if I fully agree that he kills his dribble every time uh, that he gets bumped or that he faces uh, significant physical contact. I think it's maybe a little more than you would like, uh, certainly more than someone like Christian Wood, who that's a tough comparison for anybody, you know, let alone a 19-year-old, right? So these are perfectly valid criticisms, uh, perfectly valid concerns. I understand them, but I can't help but think that, again, like I said, I'll echo it one more time. These things are not irreparable. You know, I've, I've seen plays where Mobley handles the ball up around the three-point line makes a dribble move, charges to the basket, and is able to finish through contact. So just the mere fact that at that weight uh, and with that mentality, which, uh, you know, Tommy, you're kind of positing that is not as violent as someone like Christian would, which I agree with, but the mere fact that he's able to finish in those instances makes me think that there's a good chance that he could finish in even more instances with proper training, proper weight gain, and, you know, a proper mentality shift, which let's not give, uh, forget to give, credit to Dwayne Casey, who, you know, if anybody can develop him, maybe Casey can. Um, He's someone we were really hard on earlier in the season, but he's definitely good for these young guys' mentality, I'll tell you that. And I think someone like Mobley uh, would benefit greatly from a coaching staff like ours. That's fair. Yeah, I I, I will admit, um, Mobley didn't, it's not that Mobley killed his dribble every time. It's a weird thing. I don't know if there's any real... uh, you know, maybe I'm completely wrong here, but I noticed that when Mobley had to think about what he was about to do, I felt like he was a lot softer when he was just kind of recognizing a lane and he didn't have time to think about it. He was a lot more violent and he was a lot stronger to the hoop. And it seems like when he thought about things, uh, that was when he resorted to killing his dribble and playing a bit softer. So if he gets more comfortable, maybe he can be that, you know, attack the basket, finish hard type of player. But I think right now uh, it's, Kind of similar to, well, I'm, I'm not going to compare him to Killian Hayes in that regard, but I, I do worry, you know, having seen what the lack of comfort on the floor can do to a player when you're not used to the level of physicality, uh, I do have concerns about bringing another one of those guys on. And I guess we can get into that with fit with the Pistons, but I don't know. I just, I think it would be a pretty impressive, let's say, uh, shift in you know, mentality, if he goes from being a guy who, you know, takes one bump and kind of stops and goes for a, a tough, you know, hook versus, you know, I'm going to put my shoulder into this guy and knock him off balance and finish over him. I just don't, you know, how often do you see that happen? Yeah. So my concerns around Mobley in terms of mentality is uh, you can say that sure, you know, this is a 19 year old. He'll be, uh, I believe he'll be 20 when the next season, uh, when, uh, the next season starts. He's one of the youngest prospects in the draft. Sure that he's only at this age and you can behaviorally mold him, but there's always a concern that that certain behavioral qualities are just there and, and they're just uh, they're just an aspect of, of how a player approaches things and, and they might be a little bit difficult to iron out. I mean, the aversion of the physicality, sure, it can be. It could be because uh, it's just what has worked best for him, and for him uh, at this stage or to this stage. You know, he's only... Again, he's only uh, 19 and it's just work for him or it's work for him because he can't bully guys uh, or it could just be contact averse. Some guys just don't like contact. And uh, and just just in terms of these behavioral shortcomings, all right, we're not talking about a guy 
like Drummond, for example, whose issues were with all of motivation, maturity, and work ethic. I mean, none of those really, I mean, he had aversion to contact as well. That was <laughs> really probably boiled down to all three of those issues, but uh, that's not what we're looking at with Mobley, who by, you know, there's no indication that he's got issues with, with any of maturity or work ethic or motivation, but some guys are just kind of averse to contact and, and that's just how it goes. And sure, Tommy, like you said, there's nothing, there's nothing to say. And I think this would be a little unusual you, you, to have a guy. Okay. You put on 20 pounds of muscle and you're stronger. Now you just start playing differently. Some, some guys just don't like to play that way. Uh, and and it's it dovetails into into another remarked upon uh, behavioral issue of his, which is assertiveness. I mean, this this might not sound like a, this might like not sound like a significant issue, but I think it is a significant issue. Uh, your average guy who is going to the NBA draft or is high in the NBA draft has no issues being assertive on the court. I mean, these guys tend to be sure they're young, but they've been at this for a long time. They want to go in. They want to be the best. And, and they want to, uh, you know, they get on the court, some of them, uh, you know, off, sometimes to a fault in the NBA or in the NCAA, but they're, they're very driven and they're guys that aren't, aren't worried about, or to put it this way, assertiveness is not an issue. Uh, Mobley, you're looking at a guy who to, often, like, like a, a term that has been brought up for him or question is, you know, how much does he want it? And, and sure, that can be a mere function of age, but again, it can also just be behavioral quality. I mean, some people are just less assertive than others, and and that and that's the case at the NCAA at, at the NBA level as well. I mean, it's the case in professional sports, so it can be fixed, yes, or it could be a long term issue, uh, and and it, and it it comes into the question of like uh, the Pistons, and and we can I think we should talk about this. Um, well, we can talk about this in, in, in the fit section, but it's like I, we've said before, the Pistons probably will not pick high uh, again, probably not unless something goes tragically wrong next season. Uh, because just the margin of the margin of loss this season was not very much. Presumably, you'll see, you know you'll have this draft pick. Hopefully, will contribute, and you'll see improvement from other guys, and yada yada yada. Uh, like the Pistons are really looking for a leading player here, and is, is, does Evan Mobley have the mentality to be that leading player? And like he has all this talent, and, and maybe he can he can develop as hoped. But if he doesn't have that, you know, I want it mentality. I want to be the guy mentality, then he's not going to be able to capitalize on that enormous amount of talent he has. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Uh, one thing I would just mention, uh, one of the things that people criticize with Mobley in terms of you know how badly he wants it in his assertiveness is why is this guy not willing to you know take it in himself and score? And as I don't know if you take another step back, uh, I know it sounds like we're being very, very hard on him, uh, there is really a lot to like about Mobley. There's just so many things that need to go right. There are just a lot of like the foundations of something very good, a lot of things that are very good. And I think, you know, maybe this is one of those things that Weaver kind of alluded to with the, uh, we draft people, not players. Like, is this a guy that you trust to put all that stuff together through hard work? And I don't, I don't know, have any, uh, you know, firsthand knowledge or quotes on Evan Mobley's work ethic, but I don't know. That's just it's just a lot to put together. I will say this: as far as his assertiveness, um, he didn't force up any bad shots. At least not that I saw. I mean, you could maybe argue that that hook shot is maybe not a good shot. But as far as you know, Evan Mobley has the ball in his hands. It's not that he's like not getting the ball. It's just he moves the ball very well. He sees the open man. He still draws, you know, the double teams once he gets two feet in the paint or once he's inside the arc, and he passes out of that he still does the handoffs he makes these smart plays but like you said mike this is probably there's a very good chance that this is the highest pick that we get in this rebuild uh, do you really want a guy who his best quality is that you know, he's going to make the right pass he's not going to uh hurt you on offense what you need is a guy who's going to elevate your ceiling and you know, be a guy that you can you know you give him the ball and he can create for himself because i think right now this team kind of lacks that yeah, like when we talked about Jalen Suggs, the the winner's mentality, the guy who's just fearless and wants to barrel into the paint and make something happen, draw contact, whatever it is. Jalen Green, we'll talk about uh, in the next episode. Uh, Jalen Green, a guy who's who's pretty fiery, wants to get in there and, and make something happen. And Cade Cunningham, he's not he doesn't have the, the same sort of behavioral quality that the Green uh, or or Suggs have. Uh, but you can one of his big things is you can be sure he's going to go and you can be very confident. He's going to go in and make the right play no matter what that is. And if that's that he needs to go in and score, then he's 
very, very likely going to go and do just that. And he absolutely did that uh, with Oklahoma State, partly because there was no choice, but partly just, you know, that was his role. And um, yeah, did you have that concern over Mobley? Is this just how he is behaviorally? Is this just, you know, is this just how he is? And, and can he grow into, can he, can he grow in differently? Can, can he change that? Who knows? Because uh, though I always refer to Drummond as kind of like an outlier, it does happen that guys come in and they just never change. And, that, and that's, that's a risk. Uh, Dante, do you have anything else uh, to add on that note before uh, we move on to fit? Well, I, I don't have any firsthand uh, psychiatric evaluations of Mobley. I don't know if he'll ever be that guy. Um, I don't know if he'll ever really take that aggressive uh, mentality approach where he's, you know, I want the ball. I want to be the one to do everything for this team. And yeah, you guys are right. The Pistons desperately need someone like that. Um, an alpha male or an, an alpha dog who's going to lead this team to a championship. And I don't know if his mentality will change. I, I don't think that his current mentality is poor. It Maybe it's not optimal, but it's definitely not poor. And I think that his talent more than makes up for the question marks there. So if we do take him, it's going to be a question of, is he going to grow into that? Is he going to mature? And it, when when there's no evidence pointing to the fact that he won't, I don't think it's safe to assume that, you know, he definitely won't and then therefore not take him as high as you could based on that alone. So if that makes sense, it's a concern, but it's not the biggest concern for me. I mean, I'd say it's a situation in which you're saying that you can't prove that he won't. I mean, sure, you can't prove that negative, but it's a concern. I mean, you can't prove that he will either. Oh, it certainly is. You can't prove that. that, And that's like I said, if I was his therapist, you know, if I was his sports therapist and I was able to sit down and talk to him and kind of get a better understanding of why he's less assertive. I know Tommy had a good theory and maybe it's because yeah, he's scared of getting physically bullied because he really isn't that strong, um, especially not for his size. So just because you can't prove that he won't, um, I understand that that doesn't make it not a concern. But what I'm positing is that because it's not a definitive negative, we don't know for a fact that he'll never change. I do think the talent sort of outweighs that concern, which to me is not a massive one. It's a moderate one, if that makes sense. Sure. Um, Another question, Mark. The mentality. Yeah, the mentality. <laughs> that's kind of the yeah, whole thing with... I suppose, yeah. Play. Yeah, and that's yeah. fair. That's fair. I agree that it could be a question, Mark, and, and I guess time will tell. So, yeah, uh, it, it's, uh, it's, it's uh, I would say, a big one. Uh, so on to his uh, his fit with the Pistons, and I think I think this is a good place to bring up uh, a concern that was you know that was raised initially of uh, of this is a guy who's probably going to be playing center, and and what that means uh, at, at the NBA level these days, uh, as you know you need of course in, in today's NBA that superstar creator who's going to lead the offense, and it's very difficult to get that from the interior. Uh, you know, there are just a couple of very simple reasons for that. Number one, three is greater than two. You know, nice people shoot threes. <laughs> we really do that quite as much from the interior. Uh, but number two, penetration is the ultimate way to break down defenses. Actually, uh, and actually, third one, uh, it's just it's difficult to create that sort of uh, the dovetails in the first two. It's difficult to create offense at a high level from the interior, and it's difficult to break down defenses from the interior. Now you got two guys who can do it. Number one is Jokic. Jokic has just a, a combined skill set of a good post scorer um, and, you know, pretty good three point shooter, but also just an unbelievable passer. I've made reference to it many times. It is completely mind boggling how he'll just have the ball on, on one side of the courts. He'll be double or triple teamed. And suddenly the ball will be in the exact shooting pocket of a teammate in the opposite corner for an open three. Uh, I mean, Jokic's his offensive IQ is and his passing is, is just off the charts. I mean, it's, it's maybe the, I'd say certainly the best in the modern NBA without a doubt. I know, correct me if I'm wrong, Will Chamberlain averaged a lot of assists, but that was a long time ago in a very different NBA. Uh, whatever the case, the other one is Embiid, who can score in every way. Uh, I mean, the guy even is efficient on pull-up mid-range jumpers. <laughs> I mean, the only thing he's not uh, he's not uh, pretty deadly at is pull up threes, but he's a good three point shooter now too. He's also physically dominating. I mean, he can bludgeon just about anybody, uh, and he's an elite defender. I mean, to to, to boot, but these are two very rare guys. Uh, it, it's very, 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 very rare to uh, to have uh, to have a guy who can lead a potential championship winning team, a championship winning offense from the interior. The fact that Jokic and Embiid are together in the NBA right now in their primes and drafted in the same year, no less, is a, you know, is it an enormous statistical unlikelihood. So 
the fact that they can do it, I don't think should uh, should suggest that Mobley can. I mean, they're very, very rare rare beasts, and I, I don't really see either of those. I don't see the qualities that make them special necessarily in Mobley, but also just Mobley is unlikely by the mere probabilities of the thing to be that kind of player. So with the Pistons really needing, uh, to, you know, with this maybe being their one time in a high lottery, you know, if you have to make that choice, do you do you go with this guy who uh, who is an interior-focused player? Uh, uh, you know, and, and certainly the, the the mentality concerns are in there as well. Yeah, I, I'll say this: when I've watched him, you know, pass out of the out of the paint, I am impressed with the vision he shows. He's not hitting anybody who's not within his peripheral vision or like kind of right in front of him. He's not the the no lookers from Jokic type of guy, but he does make the right play and the mic the right read. Uh, most of the time, uh, his vision out of the post is impressive, but I, I still see it as more of a secondary creator thing. I think he's a good option for maybe generating offense, but I don't trust him to be like a point center. Uh, I don't think he's there, and I, I would be surprised if he ever got there. Uh, he definitely seems you know, more than willing to pass, and in that sense, I'm fine with what he's shown so far. I think you alluded to the, the bigger problem in terms of fit with the Pistons, or at least the bigger problem that I see, and that's that I think he is uh, a much better fit at center. I think he operates way more effectively when he's in the paint, but that is also where Isaiah Stewart fits and operates most effectively. Uh, I saw, you know, kind of in, during the season, they were like, well, why don't we try Isaiah Stewart at the four? I think you lose about 80% of what Isaiah Stewart offers when you pull him out of the paint. Uh, the physicality, the rebounding, the, the effort down there, I, it's it's very valuable. I've made this argument in the past, and if you just because Isaiah Stewart can shoot threes, I don't think that should be his role. Because I think if you want to give Mobley the best chance at operating, uh, Isaiah Stewart would have to be on the perimeter. You know, he'd be the the catch and shoot three pointer guy. I don't trust that Isaiah Stewart's going to be a motion three point shooter anytime soon. His release was pretty slow, pretty consistent, but. He's not going to be the guy who can who's worth it uh, to be a starter if he's just going to be relegated to the perimeter. So uh, I think the the maybe the biggest individual fit issue would be you know the fact that he operates in the same space as Isaiah Stewart. I mean, I a lot. Uh, I think a lot of people would say, well, you don't pass on on Moby just because you have Isaiah Stewart on the team, and I think that that's true to an extent. Uh, I also think. Uh, many would say, well, when you're in the position to, in which the Pistons are, you know, you just draft a talent, period, you know, if sands or butts. I think that's overly simplistic. Uh, I, I think you want to look at a team's draft priorities. And uh, yeah, the, by, by the way, Dante's been quiet for a little bit. He's having some internet issues. But uh, so you got to look at where an, where an individual team is. Uh, and uh, if you look at the Pistons, you... Uh, like their team situation, basically. Uh, I mean, you're looking at team situation and you're looking at the needs in the modern NBA. Of course, we went over that just in, in terms of how you need that superstar offensive creator. And I, I agree with you, Tommy. I, I don't think Mobley's going to be the kind of number one lead elite uh, half-court creator for a championship team. I, I just, I, I don't think that's, um, I, I don't think that's going to be him. And, and that's kind of a lethal shortcoming for a Pistons team that desperately needs that and might not have another chance high in the lottery to look for it. But... Uh, where the Pistons are, you know, might just naturally be pivoting back toward like the plans next season, if all goes well. And in that case, you do kind of have to look at, at, at who you have on the team right now and, and maximize the, the assets you have in the team right now. And sure, uh, Isaiah Stewart, we've all ended up high on him. And, and by what has been said by the beat writers, the Pistons are very high on him too. Will that matter? Who knows? I agree that playing him at power forward would be a huge waste. Um, at, at the same time, uh, playing Mobley at power forward, who knows, maybe it'll work out on defense. It's not ideal though. Yeah. I, well, me personally, and hopefully my internet holds up here, but I think you could break down the fit question into two issues. So if we're talking strictly about, um, how's his fit as what the Pistons need and that he would be an elite offensive initiator, you know, someone who raises the offensive ceiling of the team, uh, I, I have no qualms with you guys questioning that. You know, I think mentality plays a huge part. We just talked about it. That's a perfectly fair thing to question. And I don't know if he'll be that guy. I think he possesses possesses the physical tools and the, and the skill potential to be that guy. But I don't know if he has the attitude for it. So that's a fair question. 
as far as fit with the team, as in the other players, um, it's really the only thing I don't like about Mobley is that, yeah, he doesn't fit the current construction of the team as it stands very well at all. Um, but that's, but again, it sort of leads into this whole idea of, do you pass on talent because of what you have? And in my opinion, I'm curious to know what you guys think of this. There's nobody on this team, like nobody, not one single player that would make it so that I would pass on someone in the draft. And let's forget about Evan Mobley specifically for a second. Uh, the best player in the starting lineup is Jeremy Grant. Um, if Jeremy Grant was, you know, 22, 23 years old and he fit the future of our timeline perfectly, I still wouldn't pass on someone at the exact same position who I felt had the most talent at that spot because Grant was there, if that makes sense. I don't think the position, uh, I don't think the Pistons rather are in any position at all to be passing on talent based on who they have. Not at all. Well, the thing is that you've got like basically in this increasingly positionless NBA, I mean, you've got you've got only two distinct categories, three distinct categories of players. So you've got the bigs, you've got the lead guards, and then you've got basically everyone else. Uh, where you know the positions between shooting guard and power forward have become increasingly, uh, increasingly indistinct. They're still distinct, but they become increasingly. Uh, the borders between them have, have really blurred severely. So yeah, if you have Jeremy Grant, that's the thing. I mean, okay, you draft a guy, you can play him in a different position alongside Jeremy Grant. So that, that's less of a concern. And we we also had this discussion last time about, okay, you draft Jalen Suggs and then you have two lead guards who have a lot of the same win conditions and that's an issue. But so I, I think it's a little different in that capacity. And, and the fact that bigs are kind of constrained into a certain, into a certain, uh, into a certain category in the same way that's, you know, even just not weed guards, small guards. All right. I think, I think that's a consideration. Yeah. Uh, I think, well, you brought up the Suggs and Killian thing that we mentioned last week. I think the difference here is that they operate in the same space, whereas both Killian and Suggs would operate on the perimeter. Uh, but yeah, I think in this case, honestly, what you'd have to do is trade Stewart because Evan Mobley is most likely going to be the more talented of the two. But I just I don't want to do that, not just because I really like Isaiah Stewart, but because I think he is so critically important for the identity of this team. I don't know what his ceiling is. Uh, he kept redefining it all throughout the year. He kept, you know, kind of making me change my mind on what he could be. And but I I, I still think just because of the 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 top end potential of what Mevin Mobley could be in the NBA is just so high. You want to try to maximize your chances of getting there. And I think you're probably better off trading Isaiah Stewart for, you know, a wing who will space the floor and give Evan Mobley another target on the perimeter. Uh, I just don't like the idea of that at all. And then uh, as far as other critical fits, I think Killian Hayes, um, the idea of a Killian Hayes, Evan Mobley pick and roll. I just think that's the softest pick and roll that you could come up with at this stage. And I don't like the idea of two guys who are contact averse being the, you know, your primary offensive creation option being that, you know, weak potentially like both of these guys struggle to deal with physical play. And that's kind of the definition of the pick and roll. So I I just don't like the fit. Uh, I know that I agree with, well, what we've said in the past about, you know, maybe you don't want to draft for fit because you are potentially missing out on a higher ceiling, more talented player. And, you know, when you consider that we don't know what the roster is going to look like five years from now, uh, maybe that's a massive mistake. But as things stand right now, I just really don't like the idea of, you know, having to make the compromise on Isaiah Stewart and deal with the mentality of a Evan Mobley, Killian Hayes pick and roll, just given the issues that uh, we've seen from a player who is not confident uh, playing through traffic. So I just really don't like the fit of Evan Mobley. Uh, the the top end talent is certainly tantalizing, but uh, at this stage, I, I have Evan Mobley fourth on my board because I think there are better fits and better players that will sort of maximize the other players on this team. And maybe in that way you raise the ceiling. So uh, that's my thought there. Yeah, you do have to look at fit. Of course, you're 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 you need to maximize everybody you've got in the roster. And yeah, I agree with you that sure, would you can maybe make Killian and uh, and Suggs work out with with Stewart and uh, and and Mobley on the roster. You got three options. You can either mash them together and try to make it work in the starting lineup. I don't think that's likely to work. We we talked about it in the past, just what we thought about uh, the idea of Stewart playing at the four. I think we ended up not posting that episode. 
so uh, basically, uh, Dante wasn't around for that episode. So I mean, I fully agree that it's like Stewart is not a guy who's going to move quickly around the perimeter. He's much stronger as a defender in the interior, and and you're just missing out on a lot of what makes him special if you, if you play him at the four. So and sure you can play Mobley at the four, but not ideal for him either. I, I think he's he's somebody who who's who's, who's much more suited to, uh, to to being the defensive anchor. And, uh, and and just playing from the interior in general. But yeah, I think, so you, you do have to look at that. So yeah, you had your three options, mash them together, bring Stewart off the bench or trade Stewart. And sure, I, I, think, I think he's an important part of the future as well. Uh, just looking at fit also though, like, like I said, you got to have that elite creator in the half court. And if the Pistons already had that, of course, I would say absolutely, you know, much less in the way of reservations about Mobley, you know, Stewart's presence or not. But the Pistons don't have that elite half-court creator, and I don't think that's Mobley. And, uh, and, and I don't think, you know, whether, regardless of his talents, uh, if he's not that, then you're the Pistons. You either have to look to trade for that, which is not easy. Uh, you have to try to get in free agency, which is even harder for the Pistons. Or you have to hope that you hit on somebody in free agency or hit in the draft and... You know, it's a, it's great if you can. If you can get a Giannis, uh, or if you can get a Kawhi, or you can get uh, even a Jimmy Butler. You know, Bill Butler is at the end of the first round. The other two in the middle, but it's not likely. And uh, and and there's nobody on the Pistons. I think uh, I think is likely to be that. The guy might surprise you. I would say I think in the Pistons is most likely to develop into that elite perimeter creator. I don't think it's likely to happen. I would say most likely is Hamadou Diallo if he becomes a good shooter. Uh, that's a lot to ask. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, that, that's just a major concern for me. I mean, if you're picking second and you have Jalen Green on the board and that's, and that's the decision, I think that that factor, the fit and, and the need for that elite half-court creator uh, would, would very likely move me to, uh, to, to look at Green. And uh, if, you know, if, it were, if it were number three and Suggs was still on the board, that's where it'd get a little bit more interesting. I know I said I'd put Mobley number three and I probably still would, but... Uh, yeah, that, that that's where it might get interesting for me. Have I convinced you? Have I gotten you to go all the way down to four? I just I don't know. It's 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 just so hard because I don't like Suggs very much. I'm just not a big fan, and I don't think he would be that guy the Pistons needed. I don't think he'd be the greatest fit either. Uh, but but Green, I think is I think it'd be a different story when it comes to Jalen Green. Let's see what Don. Tommy, I'm uh, I'm cursing my internet because you're corrupting Mike. And if I had better oh, internet, come on. <laughs> I, I already, I already thought these things well before we had this discussion. No, it's uh, it just I, I had a lot to say about Mobley, but listen, uh, we have a Twitter. It's at to the basket pod. Um, we'll try and tweet out some thoughts there, and I could get my revenge on on Bell Internet, and I could get my revenge on Tommy too because he got the upper hand on me this episode. But listen, I. I came into tonight kind of expecting a like a Floyd Mayweather uh, Conor McGregor fight. I got more of a Floyd Mayweather Logan Paul fight in that there was a lot of hugging and everybody sort of kissed and made up at the end because honestly, I don't I, I thought everybody's arguments were perfectly valid and fine. You know, Tommy and I are diametrically opposed when it comes to wanting Evan Mobley on this team, I think, and there his reasons for not wanting him here are valid and and I think my reasons um if I could boil it down, it's, it's more so talent over everything. Um, and that's kind of funny coming from the guy who spent the last couple of episodes talking about fit and, uh, culture and how the mentality is everything. But really when you watch Mobley play, he's, I just think he's so talented. You know, Tommy and I were talking, uh, before we started recording and I said, I don't know if it's like the short shorts or what, but Mobley running around out there just makes, he just reminds me of watching Wilt Chamberlain almost like he just has this old school. I'm bigger than everybody and I'm better than everybody feel about him. And he's got these tantalizing physical and skill-based traits that make me think that his potential is just absolutely through the roof. And while I agree that potential isn't everything, I think it do, it does count for something. And, you know, Mike has been very adamant on this point. The Pistons need to hit on a superstar. Um, and I think the gap between Mobley and let's say Jalen Suggs's skill level is not enormous, but it's it's there. You know, it's sizable. Suggs is not as talented as Mobley. He just isn't. And I don't really see him raising the ceiling of this team like Evan Mobley could. Uh, you know, the fit is not ideal with this team. 
uh, especially with Isaiah Stewart here, who I love and I would love to see on the floor as much as possible. Uh, the fit's not ideal, but I just am so hesitant to see the Pistons pass on someone this talented uh, because of a core who, you know, it's not like they, uh, it's, we still were the second worst team in the NBA. You know, nobody on this team as they currently are without factoring in potential is enough to raise this team ceiling to the point where we should be passing on talent. And so for those reasons and those reasons alone, I'm very high on Evan Mobley. Um, I would have him number three on my board. I think it's, I definitely wouldn't put him behind Suggs because Suggs isn't as talented as him and the Pistons need talent. Uh, Mike touched on Jalen Green. We'll get into that next week, but oh, I, I, I for sure would have Jalen Green above Mobley in terms of talent and fit, but I think Cade, Mobley, and Green, uh, based on some circumstances, could very well be the number one pick in a lot of drafts, you know? And the same can't be said about Jalen Suggs in his current state. So given that, pretty firm on Mobley at number three, um, cursing Bill, I'm <laughs> cursing Bell Internet, and uh, maybe I'll get into it more on our Twitter. But yeah, those are my closing remarks. Yeah, I would say. I completely agree with what you said about it, the way you put it about Suggs. Absolutely. Uh, I would say that of the teams in the top five of the lottery, uh, five, top five of the draft lottery, uh, OKC, in my opinion, would be the slam dunk landing spot for Mobley. Uh, you put him alongside uh, SGA. You put those two together, and I mean, that's that's a potentially championship combination there. But I mean, uh, when, when it comes to making the choice uh, about Mobley, I'm just going to put out like a really hot take here. I hope you guys won't think less of me for this. Like, I would just really prefer... That the Pistons get the number one overall pick and say Cade Cunningham, so we have to make this choice. Oh, oh, oh man, oh, I know. Chill. Yeah, chill. I know. Man, come on. Yeah, I know. Uh, you know something, something about a fire extinguisher or whatever else. So yeah, those are our thoughts about Evan Mobley. Uh, as we mentioned, next time uh, we will be doing a similarly deep dive into Jalen Green. So until then, thank you all for listening. We will see you next time.